guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice, and I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. He does youth ministry there, worship leading there. He even leads a cribbage Bible study. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. You know, we started this podcast for one very particular reason. We love the Christian Reformed Church, and we want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we also recognize that when Reformation happens, it is always a messy process. So we're taking time to interview pastors throughout the CRC to find out what's going on in the Christian Reformed Church and to get their thoughts on what may need to happen if we're going to see Reformation in this denomination. If you're not a member of the CRC, we'd love for you to stick around anyways because the reality is many denominations across North America are facing the same struggles and difficulties that we are. And so these conversations will apply much more broadly than just the CRC. If you haven't already, take a moment and click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are hoping to drop episodes every Monday. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on iTunes because that really helps spread the word about what we're doing here. So with all of that said, we're going to get to this week's show where we interview Derek Bukema. Derek, why don't you just take a moment, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at and what you're doing over there. My name is Derek Bukema. I am the lead pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. I'm married to Aubrey. I've got two kids, and I'm happy to be on the show. I've never, I've never listened to a single episode. I apologize. I should have. <laughs> yeah, you can't listen if we haven't published any yet. So okay, you, you are one of the first. I mean, this is better. how highly this is how highly we think of you, Derek. We, you're one of the first guys that we thought of to interview. So. I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm honored honored to be here. I'm glad to meet Willie. I'm thankful to be on a podcast with you, Jason. It's awesome. Yep. You're on a podcast that nobody has ever listened to. So high honors. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, it's, it's worth it if just Jason and Jason's family listens to it. Yeah. My wife probably won't even listen to it. So. (laughs) Oh, great. Yeah, I know. What am I doing here? I'm really selling this podcast in a big way. So how long have you been at Orland Park, Derek? uh, I've been at Orland Park CRC for seven and a half years. Oh, that's awesome. Did you, were you at a church before that? Or did you come there right out of seminary? I came right out of seminary to Orland Park CRC. I went to Westminster Seminary in California. All right. I went to, uh, I went to Calvin Seminary for one year in order to be approved to go into the CRC. And then I came out of Calvin Seminary to Orland Park CRC. Yeah. So what made you choose to go to Westminster over Calvin? So my grandfather was a professor of preaching at Westminster Seminary, California. Wow. And so <clears throat> I actually got to have him as a preaching professor, which was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't even know that. That's cool. It was it was really it was a. Um, it was a really cool thing to be able to sit in his class and have him as a preaching professor. And he was so proud that I was, you know, there a proper pride, right? That one. And he, I mean, he at one point told me when I was in like 
I don't know, 12th grade, beginning of 12th grade. He's like, my whole life, Derek, I've prayed that one of my grandsons would become a minister of the gospel and you're the only one left. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, so no pressure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went, I got to have him as a preaching professor. And then um, it just just a week and a half ago, I did his, his funeral. And um, so he's with the Lord now. And it was... Uh, it was a very, very moving experience to do the, because his preaching class was actually on how to do special occasions. So like weddings, girls, wow. uh, Easter messages, Christmas messages. And so he actually did the training of how to rightly do a funeral. And then I, wow. and then I did his funeral, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What was your experience at Westminster? Did you, did you enjoy it or? Yeah, I did. I I had uh, I had a lot of appreciation for it. It was it was interesting. I mean, I think that in God's providence, it's really where I needed to go. I was in, you know, there for for all listeners that are listening right now. There's something called that's called cage phase Calvinism. And uh, what cage phase Calvinism is is when somebody comes to the doctrines of grace, the Reformed doctrines of grace. Uh, they're so wonderful and beautiful, and the person that is that becomes Reformed should probably just be locked in a cage for a period of time until like. <laughs> Until that nope. new Calvinist uh, isn't just uh, is not as rabid anymore, and I think I was in a rabid cage phase Calvinist, you know, moment of my life because I had kind of I had kind of encountered them, and I was I was ungraciously reflecting uh, the doctrines of grace, which is not the way that it should be. And so I went to <laughs> Westminster Seminary. I've met other cage phase Calvinists, and I was like, whoa, do not want to spend time with these folks, this is terrible. And then I realized, oh, that's me. And so in God's providence, <laughs> I needed to be in a place where there would be more like fellow cage phase Calvinists. So I'd be like, all right, there's got to be graciousness to the way that we like articulate a reformed vision or else, uh, you know, we're in trouble. So it was important <laughs> for me to, to be there for that reason. Yeah. So I, this is, I'm going to throw you a little curveball, but I, it popped into my head. Why do you think that is the case as, as people come to a, a new understanding of reformed theology? What's what's with that cage stage? Oh man. I mean, do you know, I mean, do you know the reason for it? I, I don't, I don't know. I, for me, cause I went, I think I went through that. I know Willie went through that cause I had to rebuke him a couple of times. Right, Willie? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. The giggle <laughs> gives him away. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, I think there's something to, I don't know, uh, like, why didn't anybody teach me this before kind of a frustration? Yeah, and then, yeah. and then you, you start reading scripture and it becomes so clear that this is what scripture's teaching. And yeah. you wonder why didn't anybody teach me this before? And then why can't anybody else listen to this? And so you get frustrated and you forget that you know you went for how many years reading the bible and not understanding it and not <laughs> not seeing that yeah. but you're like ah everybody around me is just an idiot right yeah yeah i think part of it lies in just younger men too and we get zealous about things that we're very passionate about and sometimes we misdirect that zeal and turn it into something unholy and ungracious willie yeah. that is such a such an insightful comment because what is important is that we need to maintain the zeal, but we need to get rid of the ungraciousness. Amen. I mean, it's mm. Chesterton, right? Chesterton says a soldier fights because he loves those behind him, not because he hates those in front of him. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I think that that is, I think that that is the way that a Christian needs to 
needs to fight. I mean, we can't be like Adam and a serpent comes and starts deceiving the bride and be like, all right, go for it. I mean, it looks, looks good to me. Right. But we, uh, but we can't, we can't be people that, uh, I don't know, that, that use un that, that fail to use the fruit of the spirit, right. That fail to demonstrate yeah. the fruit of the spirit and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are all fruit of the spirit. And, uh, and so if we're not demonstrating that in the way that we are zealous, then we're damaging the church. We're harming people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, uh, and the other temptation that you talked about too, is to just kill the zeal and yeah. try to get people to just be blase and just don't be so excited about this. Don't, don't talk about doctrine so much. You're just, that's just boring stuff. Right. And just, just keep your mouth shut. That's right. And I would rather, I would rather have a cage phase Calvinist than I would a person who was at one point in the cage phase and then thought, you know, that whole zeal was just youthful f- foolishness. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter so much anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is sadly where a number of folks go to also. And that is the most heartbreaking thing to me to talk to somebody that at one point was on fire for the truth of God's word and, uh, and then loses that fire, loses that fire in the belly. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. I've watched that in a, in a couple of people and, and I've also thankfully been able to watch a number of people like Willie and, and other, uh, and other people I've discipled over the years work from the cage stage into kind of a settled, a settled reformed identity where we're comfortable where we're at and, and can interact with people who disagree with us graciously. And, and that's a, that's also a joy to see, see people kind of settle into that. Awesome. Yeah. So what, uh, what's been your involvement, uh, in the CRC? Have you been in, you've been involved in quite a bit outside of just, uh, your local church as well, haven't you? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, within the Christian reformed church, some of the major involvement has been just through, through, you know, classes and denominational sort of uh, engagements. And I, I was a part of Synod 2016, the Synod that took, uh, a, a really bad report on, um, on human sexuality, a report that recommended that CRC pastors, perform same-sex ceremonies so long as they were civil but not religious ceremonies which is a really odd distinction when you think about the role of a minister like what's the purpose of a minister mm-hmm. officiating something that's not ministry related uh, anyway all of that we were able to take that i was on the advisory committee that took up that report and i was on the advisory committee that that re uh reaffirmed the you know that recommended that synod reaffirm the biblical position of the denomination which synod did in 2016 and then i was a part of the advisory committee that also then appointed the study committee who has just released its report on human sexuality mm-hmm. so it's um it's kind of it's kind of fun to be a, have been a part of that advisory committee and then see that that uh that that work is coming to fruition now and um yeah yeah that's awesome yeah but we'll get to that in a second. Um, and, and, well, maybe you want to talk about that now, but one of the questions we ask every pastor is um, what are some of the positive things you see happening in the CRC or even just some of the general strengths of our denomination? You know, I'm really in, so, all right, I'll, I, I shouldn't just ask about what other pastors have talked about because listener, you need to listen to those other podcasts and hear That's those. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I won't just ask for a recap of that. I think that, I think that there is uh you know, I think it's a hard time to be a Christian right now in a whole host of different ways. And it's hard to find positives existing in a lot of different places. It's really challenging because of the growth of secularism that's taking place throughout the West right now. It's very difficult to be a Christian in that kind of context because we don't know what that means. 
it's difficult to be a Christian in the midst of uh, a political polarization that exists now that's more intense than at any other time of my ministry. And my ministry has only spanned a couple different elections, but this one has by far been the most contentious and difficult. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's difficult to be a Christian now in the midst of coronavirus and have so many churches that aren't meeting in person or are meeting with, uh, with restrictions. And, uh, you know, to have so many situations where somebody wants to be able to offer care and compassion or an embrace uh, and does that. And then also without hoping to then spreads coronavirus. This means that it's just like just church function is challenging in general. Yeah. In the context of all of that, I, um, I just had, I, I'll, I'm trying to get to what I see as a positive of the Christian Reformed Church. So I, I, I recently had a friend who was walking through a really painful situation in her marriage with uh, another friend of mine. And she reached out, he was a pastor in the Christian Reformed Church. Uh, and she reached out to a number of different pastors in the CRC. And so I was on a Zoom call with, I don't know, a handful of, handful of CRC pastors from across the U.S. and Canada. And um, as they were, as, as these different pastors were talking to this mutual friend of ours about the challenge that she was experiencing in her marriage, I, I realized like, man, each one of these pastors is like deeply insightful, is very committed to the Reformed tradition in a historic way, loves the church Catholic, uh, the, the church universal, mm-hmm. is... Uh, and so has this amazing mix of intelligence, love, care, knowledge for their knowledge for of their friend and desire to want to to bear her burdens. And I think that the Christian Reformed Church functioning in the right sorts of ways can can bring a lot of those things together in a really beautiful way. Uh, a love for the history yeah. of the church, a desire to be reformed in a way that's historic and is not is not cage phase Calvinism, but is is like is deep, deeply pastoral. I think that the, I think that the reformed confessions are deeply pastoral while being incredibly faithful articulations of doctrine. And I think that when a minister embraces all of those sorts of things or reformed confessionalism in a historic sense, I think that that's something that is, is actually deeply compelling is very beautiful and, and does a great job of, of joining together heart and mind in service and praise to the Lord Jesus and so I, I know that that still exists within the Christian Reformed Church and that that's still growing in certain sectors and segments of the Christian Reformed Church. And I think that that's one of the great strengths. And I know that you guys are hoping for a reformation within the Christian Reformed Church. And my hope is that it would be a confessional uh, reformation, one that would care about one that would care about Christ and his kingdom, one that would care deeply about belonging in life and in death to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, And I think that I think that where that exists, it's really beautiful and compelling. And I think something that would be very, very helpful for the church globally, uh, worldwide, and not just for our little segment of it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because kind of our next question is uh, concerns you have going on in our denomination. What What's happening in the CRC that concerns you? Yeah, there, there are certainly concerns. I think that um, the concerns are probably summed up in when I was at Kelvin Seminary for a year as a part of the church planting club and the church planting club brought in somebody from the denomination and uh, they were the, this person from the denomination who was working in denominational ministry was asked why is it that our church has experienced uh, has experienced decline membership decline over the past I don't know at that point it was the past 20 years uh, past 18 20 years 
And this uh, denominational employee said, well, I think that there are three reasons why we continue to experience decline. One is that we have, uh, we have churches that still have an evening worship service and are too committed to evening worship. And as long as we have evening mm. worship, we're not going to Amen. continue to grow. Mm. Uh, we're still, we're much too concerned about Christian day school education. And for, as long as we just continue to care about Christian day school education, we're just going to continue to decline as a denomination. And, uh, and we still have churches that won't ordain women to the, the pastorate or to, to have women elders. And as long as we have churches like that, the Christian Reformed Church is just going to continue to decline. I thought that that was, I thought that was ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, even if you are, even if you are passionate about not worshiping twice on the Lord's day or not sending, sending your kids to a Christian school, or you're passionate about making sure that there are women pastors or elders in your particular congregation, you have to understand that, that it is ridiculous to say that the existence of people who disagree with you on that is the reason the denomination is in decline. And to miss to miss like uh, a, a growing biblical illiteracy, to miss a waning passion for the gospel, to miss those sorts of things as somebody who's tasked with trying to encourage the church and all of this sort of stuff is a huge oversight, right? And, uh, yeah. and like, is really messed up. So the fact that that was, you know, a, a denominational employee that was coming to speak to our church planting club at Calvin Theological Seminary is indicative of where some of the trouble is. And if, if, if at least some people within the denominational uh, bureaucracy don't see a waning passion for the gospel or a decline in biblical illiteracy as, as our most fundamental issues, then that is a big problem. And that yeah. is one of the reasons that the Christian Reformed Church needs to be, needs to be uh, renewed. And uh, because, yeah, yeah, we have, to, we have to return to our first love. Amen. Yeah, do you think there's a growing gap between what's happening at the denominational level and what's happening in the pew? I do, I do, and I, maybe maybe the gap is between and people that are wiser than I can tell me. Maybe the gap is between Grand Rapids and places that are outside of Grand Rapids. Maybe yeah. maybe it's denominational leadership and people who are actually in the pews. But I I do think that um, I mean one of the things that you would have found. So say we could go back in time fifty years. The uh, the worship service would be pretty much the same if you went to Orland Park CRC where I am. If you went to Jason's church, if you went to Willie's church, it would be basically the same liturgy, the same sort of service, the same sort of sermon. And it would be the same if you went to pretty much any church in Grand Rapids, any church in California, any church in Canada. There was a wide, wide, wide similarity in terms of practice within the Christian Reformed Church. And there was a great deal of unity that arose from that. Now, I mean, over the course of the last two generations, that has totally, totally stopped being the case. And so the reality is the type of worship service that you're going to find in California is going to be incredibly different from the one that you're going to find in Grand Rapids, which is going to be incredibly different from the one that you're going to find in Orland Park, which is going to be incredibly different from the one that you're going to find in uh, rural Minnesota. And so there, there is just a, there's just an increased fracturing denomination wide. And it's, and I think that that is reflected in the fact that the uh, the the kinds of worship services that exist in Grand Rapids churches are just very 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 different in almost every way from what you're going to find in almost any other Christian Reformed church any other place. And I think that that I think that there's this really thick culture that people maybe assume when they work then in denominational ministry and a, a conversational partner that they're assuming. 
that doesn't really exist outside of Grand Rapids, outside of the place where these institutions are well formed and where the Christian Reformed Church, I, I don't know, is in so many places <laughs> and is known in so many other places. Like nobody in Orland Park knows what it means to be Christian Reformed. And mm. so like, so the kind of ministry that I need to do in Christian in like Orland Park, if I want to try to reach people and welcome them into being a part of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, uh, is is just going to be different than what I think takes place in Grand Rapids, and so that's got to be a part of it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I know it. It's always easy to kind of enter into our own little echo chamber when we're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who think the same as us to think, or just to assume that everyone else thinks just like we do. And uh, yeah. I, I've heard a number of people say that, that they're concerned that that some of what's happening in Grand Rapids. I mean, there how many churches? I mean, there's four classes just in, in uh, Grand Rapids. Right. You know how many churches right. there are in Grand Rapids? I CRC? don't. I mean, somebody has said that it's something like 25 or 30 percent of the Christian Reformed Church exists within an hour of Grand Rapids, right? That if you were to draw a circle of an hour drive around Grand Rapids, you'd have like a substantial you'd have like 25 or 30% of the whole denomination, wow. which is a yeah. binational denomination. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, how you could suss that out, but I know that, you know, if you're including Holland, you probably do have just a huge amount of Christian reform membership in those, in those classes that would exist there. And so, um, yeah, I, so I, I think that there exists an institutional, there's an institutional existence that, that is taken for granted there because it is so sprawling and substantial that doesn't exist in any other part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I was going to ask you is, you know, you talked about one of the positive things going on in the CRC are these um, thoughtful, caring pastors. And yet um, we see a denomination that, that is, is slowly dying, right? It's slowly losing members and slowly, how, how does that happen? Well, I think it happens. I think it happens through a waning passion for the gospel and a growing biblical illiteracy. My guess mm. is that um, my guess is this is just a guess, but I, I feel like this is the case. Uh, just as a student of history and a student of Christian Reformed Church mm-hmm. history, my guess is that your average uh, your average elder in the Christian Reformed Church uh, in the I, I guess maybe nineteen twenties. Uh, who never went to high school, right? Like went to went to farming right after eighth grade, or mm-hmm. carpentry right after eighth grade, or concrete right after eighth grade, right? Uh, your average elder that was functioning in a church that sort of way knew the scripture and the confessions better at that point than your average minister who's entering into like Christian reform ministry today, and um, and some of that is borne out just through some of the examinations that I have witnessed. And some of them, some of it's borne out in just knowing myself and reading stuff that comes from elders who didn't have a high school education in the 1920s and being like, this person like knew Kelvin better than I know Kelvin. And I love Kelvin. I love to read Kelvin. Like, what is my deal here? Like, I guess, I guess I've, I don't know watch too much star wars or something like that because i uh, i should have i should have spent more time like reading the confessions because i'm put to shame by this by this uh this person who um who didn't have a high school education you know 100 years ago and then um and then you just think about the confessions were written as teaching tools for children in an illiterate age and to realize that, like, now there are people who are like, don't talk about the confessions. It's just too complicated. It's too difficult. It's too hard to understand. 
And uh, and sometimes you'll have pastors that say that sort of thing, right? And so I think that I think that as you've had a waning biblical and confessional illiteracy, and you have had a diminishing passion for the gospel, I think that you have decline, you have death that comes as a result of that. And I think that um, I think that part of the challenge too is that this is just my read on the historical situation that the Christian Reformed Church obviously has existed as a Dutch denomination for a long time. And I think that it rightly started to realize, hey, it's not so good if we're defined by our Dutchness and maybe the 60s and 70s, the series he started realizing that. But I think that in many places, in an effort to try to be less Dutch and then to therefore be broader, there had been such a connection between being Dutch and being reformed that moving away from being reformed was the way that people and churches tried to be less Dutch. And I think that it actually calcified a Dutch cultural identity rather than a confessional identity. Hmm. I think that as the Christian Reformed Church has less intentionally had a confessional identity, I think that has also led to death. Because, I mean, we're, the Christian Reformed Church is not the hippest church. So if you're looking for a place where stuff is happening and interesting, it's not going to be the CRC. But if you're looking for a place that has like excellent, thoughtful doctrine uh, and is characterized by that, then, you know, the Christian Reformed Church is probably a place where you should, you know, keep checking out. So I yeah, think amen. that, yeah, I think that as we've, as we've tried to be less Dutch, I think that many places have moved away from having a confessional identity. And, and I think that that has had uh, the opposite effect that people assumed it would have. I think more people have left because people have been like, why are we even here? Like, what's even the point of this place? Or it's calcified a Dutch identity. And so people have not joined that sort of place because it's like, how do I, I don't even know how I break it. Well, guys, that's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week to hear the rest of our interview with Derek Bukema. And until then, don't forget that this is Christ's church, and he bought this church with his own blood. And he warned us that wolves would come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.